The text for the sermon this afternoon is verse 18 of Luke 22. And there the Lord Jesus says the following. He holds up a, a cup and gives thanks, and he says, For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, we're about to celebrate the Lord's Supper here this afternoon. Christ communicates himself to us through eating and drinking in faith here. It's a, it's a meal. This is a meal where he is the host. But the strange thing of this meal is that the host isn't really here. Imagine you were invited to somebody's place for a meal, a feast. It would be pretty strange if you sat there in the dining room with the other guests eating dinner, but the host didn't show up, stayed upstairs. However, that's what actually happens at the Lord's Supper celebration. The guests take and eat, but the host, the Lord Jesus Christ, doesn't show up. He has a servant distribute the wine and bread on his behalf, but he stays away. And now you might think, well, that's obvious. The Lord Jesus Christ doesn't come to the celebration of the Lord's Supper because he's in heaven, he's far away. That's not the, the ultimate reason why he doesn't come to the Lord's Supper celebration himself. He gives the real basic reason in our text. And I preach to you the word of God in the text with this theme, the Lord Jesus Christ vowed that he will not drink the wine of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. The Lord Jesus Christ vowed that he will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And we pay attention to when he made that vow, what he meant with that vow, and why he said it. So first of all, when he made that vow. Brothers and sisters and boys and girls too, it's pretty clear from the context exactly when the Lord Jesus spoke the words of our text, isn't it? He spoke them at the celebration of the Passover, the so-called Last Supper with his disciples. And you know how it went at the annual Passover feast in Israel? I'm sure the boys and girls have learned this at one time or another at school, at Christian school, or when the story Bible was read at home and discussed. A lamb was picked out of the flock a uh, one-year lamb with, without any blemishes. And it was killed, and its blood was brushed around the doorway of the house. And then the lamb was roasted whole, and unleavened cakes of bread were baked, and bitter herbs were prepared. And all this was eaten by the family, preferably all standing up, around table, as happened at the first Passover. A festive meal it was. And because it was a feast, the adults who had professed their faith would also drink the wine. The Israelites didn't drink wine every single day. Wine was especially for days 
of feasting. And you remember, I'm sure, that the point of that celebration of the Passover feast was to remember how Israel had been delivered in Egypt. The word Passover, you know, points to the passing over of the angel of death on the last night of Israel's stay in Egypt. On that last night, the Lord sent that angel over the whole land of Egypt to kill the firstborn in every house and every barn. However, if the angel of death saw that blood of that lamb on the doorposts of those houses, then he would pass over those houses. And that's basically what the Passover feast commemorated, how Israel was spared from death in Egypt through the blood of those lambs. Right after that night, the Israelites had to leave Egypt. That's why they had to stand there and eat with their sandals on and their staff in their hand. That's what the unleavened bread was about, too. Unleavened bread, you know, is flat, hard bread made without yeast. Made that way so it could be baked quickly and taken along on a trip, and it would last for a long time. The Israelites were told to leave Egypt quickly. The Egyptians didn't even want them there anymore. They were free to go all at once. That's what the eating of unleavened bread at the Passover feast was supposed to remind the Israelites of then. And the bitter herbs were a reminder of the bitter slavery that they had had to go undergo there in Egypt. And the wine was for the joy of the deliverance from Egypt. Wine was for joy. Well, Jesus celebrated that Passover feast every year, too. And on the night when he was betrayed, he celebrated it for the last time with his disciples. He says in verse 15 that he fervently desired to eat this Passover with his disciples before he suffered. Fervently. Why did he so fervently want to celebrate that? It doesn't say explicitly here, but in the first place we could say that he fervently desired to celebrate that Passover in order to be strengthened in his faith. And that might sound a little bit strange when it comes to the Lord Jesus, but don't forget that the Lord Jesus was not only true God, he was also true man, flesh and blood man. And he knew that that night he would be betrayed. He knew Judas had gone and made that deal with the chief priests. But he, he, then he knew that his crucifixion was coming. He would be put to death the very next day for the sins of his people. He would descend into the darkness of God-forsakenness, hell. And that would bring intense struggle for the Lord Jesus, too. As true and also righteous man, he had to struggle deeply in himself to undergo the awful punishment of sin for us. Think of his prayer in Gethsemane. So he, he needed that celebration of the Passover to also strengthen his faith, encourage him with his task. And in that, by the way, uh, brothers and sisters, he's an example for us too. Not easy to believe to find your only comfort in life and death 
in that you belong to Jesus Christ in all the struggles of this life to, to uh, hold on to that, but then we should follow the, the example of our Savior and use the means he has given us to strengthen our faith, namely the hearing of the word and also the use of the sacraments. Our Lord fervently desired to take part in the sacrament, the Old Testament sacrament of the Passover for the strengthening of his faith. Shouldn't we then also fervently desire to celebrate the Lord's Supper for the strengthening of our faith, to, to crucify our old nature and live a new life in the Lord too? If he fervently desired that, shouldn't that be our desire too then? I can think of another reason why the Lord so fervently desired to celebrate the Passover with his disciples. He wanted to institute the Lord's Supper at that time, use that occasion to institute the new sacrament. The Passover feast just about had its day then. The killing of Passover lambs would all be finished with the once, uh, with the once and for all uh, sacrifice of the perfect Paschal Lamb, Jesus Christ. And he wanted to institute a new feast to remember his suffering and death for his own then, the Lord's Supper. So whereas the Old Testament Passover pointed to the need for his coming, for his sacrifice for sins, the New Testament Supper he wanted to institute would point to his finished sacrifice for sins. That's the second reason he fervently would fervently desire to celebrate that, that last Passover. But there's another reason the Lord fervently desired to celebrate the Passover with his disciples in that upper room. He wanted to tell them something very important. And that's what our text is about. He wanted to make a vow, a vow. Because that's what, what it says there, eight, verse 18, for I say to you, and when the Lord says to us, it, is, it has the weight of a vow, an oath. He wanted to make a vow as a solemn promise. You know, a vow is like a, a marriage vow at a wedding. A couple solemnly promise before God to, be, to love and be true to each other for as long as they both shall live. Well, in the Lord Jesus the Lord Jesus in our text makes this a type of vow like that, and he says to the disciples in the, in the text, I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Notice he talks about the fruit of the vine. Now, at the Passover feast, the Jews passed wine around the table four times. The fourth cup was called the cup of thanksgiving. And that's the one the Lord Jesus was holding when he instituted the drinking of the wine at the Lord's Supper table. The last cup. But in our text, the Lord was holding the first cup. The first cup of wine that was drunk at the table. And when that first cup was passed around, the Jews would all say, Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the world, who created the fruit of the vine. So that was a, a, a cup of gladness, you could say. The first cup, cup of gladness. 
And that's, that's what the Lord Jesus called the wine in our text too. Fruit of the vine. I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. In other words, the Lord Jesus Christ vows that He will not drink any wine at all until the kingdom of God has come to fullness, until His coming again in glory. What does He mean with that vow at that time? And that brings us to the second point, what the Lord meant with that vow. Congregation not drinking of the fruit of the vine meant, as we mentioned, refraining from any alcoholic drink. And why would people abstain from any alcoholic drink at a certain time? Well, if it interferes with the concentration on work or something like that. If you need to do something that takes a lot of concentration, don't drink any alcoholic beverage. Why? Nowadays, the saying is, don't drink and drive. That's because alcohol affects your, your concentration and your reflexes. If you're supposed to fulfill a certain task that requires a lot of concentration, like driving, you, you shouldn't drink alcohol. That's why there was a law in the Old Testament that the priests were not allowed to drink any wine or strong drink before or during their service in the temple. That's in the Old Testament law. The Lord didn't totally forbid any alcoholic drink, but priests were not to drink any wine when they had to serve in the temple because they had to be sharp and careful to do their duty there, to be focused on their task. They weren't to have any drink, alcoholic drink, because they had to be uh, focused on what they were, were, were doing and what was going on in the temple. You can think of also of people in the Old Testament who completely devoted themselves to the service of the Lord for a time. They were called Nazarites. You can read about Nazarites in Numbers 6, and you can do that at home. They devoted, Nazarites devoted themselves totally to the service of God in some way for a certain period of time. And for that period of time, they devoted themselves totally to the Lord. They would then vow also to abstain from wine and other fermented drink. And that was so they, they could give their full attention to serving God during their time of service. We could say that the Lord Jesus in our text, took a kind of a Nazirite vow. He wanted to devote himself completely to the service of God. He was, as Isaiah prophesied, the servant of the Lord. And therefore, in our text, he also vows to drink no wine until the time of his service is over, until the kingdom has come to its fullness. He wants to give his undivided attention fully to his task before God as long as that task takes. And that time of his service then not only included the time of his suffering and his death and resurrection and ascension, it includes all the time he reigns with the Father in heaven where he works for us from heaven and intercedes for us before the Father the whole time until his return in glory. During that whole time, the Lord Jesus Christ vows he will not drink of the fruit of the vine 
until the day he returns. And congregation, do you realize what that means? It isn't so that the Lord Jesus, after his suffering and death, ascended into heaven to relax there and to rest on his laurels and to feast there with Abraham and all the saints in heaven. Not at all. He continues to work hard there in heaven in the service of God. He reigns over all things for his church. He focuses on that task. And he intercedes for his people there. He concentrates totally on that work now yet too. Abraham and all who died in the Lord feast there now. Think of that parable of Lazarus and the rich man. They feast. But for the Lord Jesus, feasting and whining and dining only come later when the kingdom of God comes to fullness. Until then, he concentrates on his work for us in heaven to make sure that his kingdom comes to fullness. All his elect are gathered in. And we are, each of us, ready to meet him. Think about that, brothers and sisters, boys and girls. The Lord Jesus Christ is now in heaven. He's been there for 2,000 years already. But while he's there, he doesn't get caught up in the feasting in his father's house yet. No, he has vowed to abstain from whatever might impede his concentration. And he focuses totally on his work, all his energy. He wants to finish that work of redemption for his father. He's busy for you and me there, interceding, ruling over all things, guiding our lives, sending out his servants for us. No feasting for him until his time of service is completely finished. But even though the Lord doesn't allow himself any festivities, he allows us to enjoy feasting and to be joyful now already, to take joy in his victory for us on the cross. He calls us to celebrate the Lord's Supper here, the feast of our deliverance from sin and death through his death. Even though we still live in a broken world, still have to fight daily against sins and weaknesses here, we can already celebrate our deliverance from all of that through Christ's broken body and shed blood here today. And that's what makes the celebration of the Lord's Supper such a glorious thing, such a boost for life and faith here in this world. We can celebrate now already. And we may do that knowing that that vow of the Lord Jesus Christ not to feast until his work is completely finished stands. And that's why the form for Lord's Supper, also called the Lord's Supper, a foretaste of the eternal feast. The Lord's Supper is a, is a guarantee for believers that the Lord Jesus Christ will certainly finish what he has begun for us. Our host isn't here. He refrains from feasting, from whining and dining because he's going to finish his work 
He's vowed to concentrate on that. Our redemption will certainly be finished. God's kingdom will certainly come to fullness. And that brings us to the last point, why he said that vow. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, what did the Lord Jesus want to achieve with that vow in our text? What was his reason for, for making it? Well, we've already touched on some of that. The Lord Jesus Christ wants to show us he's totally focused on finishing our redemption without any distractions. He not only delivers us from the, the, from the sentence of eternal death because of our sins, but he also wants to deliver us from the slavery and power of sin which is in us and around us. He's busy with that. And when it's totally finished for all believers, the kingdom of God will come too. The cross was a crucial step in our deliverance. Through his death, Christ delivered us from the guilt of sin. But we still have to deal with the power and effects of sin yet in this life before the kingdom comes to fullness. The Lord Jesus still has work to do for us, for his people. And he, he fervently longs to finish that work. He can hardly wait to finish our redemption so that he can drink the fruit of the vine with us so that he can fully rest and celebrate with his people forever. And he wants us to long for that completion of redemption and for that eternal feast too. But you know, that's not easy for us to keep up that longing for that day when the eternal feast begins with the Lord in his glory. I think that's one of the most difficult things to do as a Christian in our busy and prosperous society, to keep remembering, keep in mind what it's all about, actually. Where we're actually headed. We're allowed to enjoy what the Lord gives us now already, to be happy with what he gives us in this life, of course. But we can so easily get caught up in it all. And then, we, then it's so hard to remember that we're not there yet. And we need to long for the return of the Lord Jesus when everything will be made perfect and the, the full feasting will begin. By nature, we don't have that fervent desire, but the Lord Jesus wants to help us with that, with the Lord's Supper celebration every time again. The Lord's Supper points back to his sufferings and death. It also points us ahead to the eternal feast. That begins when he re returns in glory. And what a feast that'll be when he returns. Words can't describe it. It'll be a joyful feast on the new earth. And the Lord Jesus Christ will drink the wine new with his people. In Revelation 19, that feast is called the marriage feast of the Lamb. The imagery has the idea of the Passover lamb in it too. Then Christ's work will be completely finished. Then he'll have finished bringing in and perfecting his bride, his church, beautifying her. And that'll bring about a great celebration. And he'll be at that celebration himself too then. He'll be there with his whole church, feasting and drinking the wine of gladness is the host at the eternal feast. And we don't know exactly what that'll be like. The Bible doesn't tell us a whole lot about it except in some figurative, symbolic terms, not easy to understand always. And that just shows that it's beyond what we can imagine. We just have to wait and see. 
but it'll be wonderful with the Lord in perfect glory. That we do know from the Bible. The Lord Jesus speaks in the text about drinking wine at that time. Drinking wine. We know that after his resurrection with his glorified body, he also ate and drank with his disciples. So it seems that on the new earth, we'll be able to enjoy eating and drinking and feasting. It'll be feasting and celebrating forever. Imagine a feast that never ends. See, that's why that vow of the Lord Jesus Christ at the Last Supper, he wanted to encourage us and all his people to look ahead. He made that vow to let us know that he's going to keep working for us in heaven. He, he's not going to rest. He's not going to whine and dine his time away. No, nothing is going to distract him. He's concentrating on finishing what he began when he was here on earth. Full redemption and the glorious renewal of all things. And the Lord's Supper this afternoon is a reminder that that eternal feast is on the way. Jesus Christ is on the way. And he will then feast with us. The host will join us at that time and drink of the fruit of the vine with us in endless celebration. Amen. Let's sing together, congregation, in response to the opening of the word, hymn 